3: Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio.
4: Hi, I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I'm Liana Holston. And welcome to Tossed
3: Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time. The very slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition.
4: This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching On the Waterfront. Eatin', sleepin',
1: flying around like crazy. Raising gobs and squabs.
4: Number 19 on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this pigeon-based film. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, the only thing I took away. <laughs> so pigeon-forward. I could not have imagined in a million years that that would be the featured element of the movie. It should be on the pigeon front.
3: (laughs) I'd love to know what you thought about this movie before, what you expected from this movie, (laughs) because,
4: yeah, like you said, there were a few surprises. Mm -hmm. And Sienna, I have sent you two recordings because I had to. Well, you'll see. Okay. Everybody was surfing on the waterfront. (laughs) Hi, it's Liana. I'm about to watch On the Waterfront. The only things I know about this movie are: it's from the 30s. Marlon Brando is in it, hopefully hot. And yeah. I think this is where I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender uh-huh. comes from. Other than that, I really, really hope it's a beach movie. <laughs> I don't have high hopes, though. I wonder if it's an ironic, like, we called it On the Waterfront, but it's set during the Dust Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Love you, bye. Were you really hoping a little bit that there'd be a beach? We're going to have to listen to recording number two. Okay. Okay, it turns out this movie is from 1954. (laughs) But great news is that means it might be about the invasion of Normandy. And they couldn't do it as violently as they did in Saving Private Ryan. Fingers crossed. Wow, you really didn't know at all what this movie was about. (laughs) I mean, coming in totally <laughs> unsure, <laughs> so stupid. No, I love that. I also felt so dumb for thinking it was from the 1930s. I don't know why that was locked. Was Brando even I don't, alive? <laughs> Unfortunately, when you said that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, I saw that not register at all. Cool that
3: you knew the era, because I didn't think about the era at all. <laughs> Though, thinking about it for even a second, it definitely is the 50s. It's clearly. so firmly the 50s. I also thought I didn't know anything. Well, we'll just listen to mine. Hi, Eliana. It's a Sienna. Oh. I'm about to watch On the Waterfront. I know Marlon Brando is in it because it was on when my grand Jekyll was around and she walked in, saw him and said, That Marlon Brando is ugly. Oh. So I think that it's going to be about, like, cannery men or hey. longshoremen. Hey, Who are trying to make a union or something? I think it was unions. That is my prediction. And I bet Marlon Brando will (gasps) yell up into the sky (gasps) at some point.
4: All right, that's my prediction. (laughs) Let's go uh, check this puppy out. Okay. He does. Actually, he does yell up into the sky. At the beginning? The first thing he does is yell up into the sky. It was funny because, yeah, when I saw
3: that he yelled up into the sky immediately, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I got that so right. And they started talking about Longshoremen. I'm like, I guessed Longshoremen. And they said unions. I'm like, I guessed you. And then I was like, you know, maybe I just knew
4: about this film. Mm. <laughs> it does seem like it, yeah, maybe like you watched it. <laughs> Sienna. Sienna now that you've given at least three buzzwords from the film, would you care to share a summary of On the Waterfront? Sure. (laughs) Min?
3: This is the first summary I've made where when I sat down to write it, I'm like, there's so much I don't know. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just going to give you my bullet points that I took away. Okay. Okay. So here's what happened. Marlon Brando likes birds man falls off roof dash pushed question mark (laughs) the film's girl character is the sister of the man who was pushed Mm -hmm. there is a longshoreman union Marlon Brando is supposed to get close with the girl character so she and the priest will stop coming for the criminal union boys Marlon Brando falls in love with the girl character and decides he can't pick sides he sees both sides dot 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 so everyone gets mad at him those are all my bullet points oh boy (laughs) oh boy I'm sorry, everyone.
4: It's a mob movie. It's a movie about the mob and everything kind of happens. Like everything that happens, you expect would happen.
3: One more summary I could give is guys in hats on a dock have a bad boss that they're too scared to stand up to.
4: Mm-hmm. Mine was ugly men doing crimes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's better. You should just take it this time.
3: <laughs> okay, Liana, I am very interested, though, in the historical context for this movie.
4: Because yeah. it feels
3: like this. there might be some history here
4: possibly a rich history i actually had to stop myself from adjusting the margins of my bullet points so that more text would fit (sighs) on the page and i could still be like no it's only one page (laughs) hey everybody welcome to the historical context history historical context for on the waterfront the film from 1954 This movie was based on a Pulitzer Prize winning series of 24 articles that appeared in 1948 in the New York Sun that compiled together were called Crime on the Waterfront by (gasps) Malcolm Johnson. Okay, cool. He was a reporter. He went to the waterfront because there was a murder and he (gasps) was meant to go investigate it. And from these articles, he compiled all this information that essentially was designed to tear down the organized crime that was running the waterfront industry from the Pulitzer website, quote, prospective workers in a field disproportionately comprised of working class African-Americans and whites of Italian and Irish descent who did not benefit from the upward mobility of the GI Bill were forced to offer kickbacks to syndicate representatives at the daily, quote, shape up in which prospective workers were forced to compete against each other to secure work irrespective of union membership. Basically what that means is people who were veterans back from the war who were being oppressed because it's America joined um, the union of longshoremen, but they had to give some of their income to members of the mob who were actually like calling the shots Mm. on the shore. And you see that in the movie when the guy goes up and is sort of handpicking who gets to work that day. And it's because they're giving a signal that they will give some of their earnings as that, quote unquote, kickback. Uh. (sighs) Ah, Also, the GI bill, one of the reasons that it stopped a lot of upward mobility from actual veterans who had like fought for the actual fucking country is that this real asshole from some state who was a Republican decided to fight for it to be administered by individual states rather than federally, which meant that like the even more racist states in the country could really pull back on what benefits people of color specifically like black veterans could receive from the bill. Oh man. <gasps> Um, Okay, these articles by Malcolm Johnson, published in the New York Sun, inspired the formation of the Waterfront Commission, which we'll get to in just a second. Also, there was a real-life religion boy, priest, called Father John Corrigan, who was known as the Waterfront Priest and inspired the character in the film. A bit about longshoremen slash dock workers. They worked on the piers of Red Hook in Brooklyn, Hoboken in New Jersey, and the west side of Manhattan. Their sort of, like, pinnacle was... Sorry, I just sort of threw my hands up in the air in a gesture I've never, ever done before. I loved it. Um, The peak of their (laughs) work, I think, was the 1940s and 50s. But then something came along called containerization, (gasps) which is when many... You know about this? My dad loves containerization. (laughs) Why? Because it's changed everything. Okay, (laughs) That is true. But because it changed everything, many, many longshoremen lost their jobs because of this advancement in technology. I, mean, I don't think he liked it as like, I like as a historical moment about okay. like how like interesting moment of history. Yeah. Your dad's not out here like endorsing. <laughs> yeah, he's not like,
3: ah, get rid of those People longshoremen their and their robots.
4: work. <laughs> According to one economist, close to 90 percent of dock workers in New York City lost their jobs in the span of 15 years because of oh. containerization. The International Longshoremen's Association, or ILA, was the union that we, you know, see in the movie. Mm -hmm. And they actually had several strikes in the 1960s and negotiated a container royalty fund on the East Coast to provide longshoremen compensation for loss of work because of containerization. Organized crime totally ruled, slash rules, question mark? The waterfront. (laughs) Hello, Um, A quote from the New York Times in 1996, 42 years Mm -hmm. after... This movie came out mm-hmm. was that power of fear was revived this week as the Justice Department sued six locals of the International Longshoremen's Association and 44 officials under the racketeering laws, charging that despite 40 years of investigations, organized crime and dishonest union officials continue to dominate the surviving parts of the port. Wowie. The Waterfront Crime Commission itself, in real life called the Waterfront Commission of New York Harbor, in the movie called the Waterfront Crime Commission, those are those boys in trench coats and hats mm-hmm. who are like, hello, mm-hmm. we're with crime, was created via an interstate compact between New Jersey and New York and enacted by Congress in 1953. So very, very new when this film came out. In 2018, Chris Christie, trash-ass governor of New Jersey, tried to dissolve it. Um <laughs> A lot of lawyers argue for the continuation of the commission because many believe that labor racketeering still happens and it's meant to serve as sort of the watchdog to keep an eye on that not happening. Mm-hmm. The bill that Christie signed calls for the 13 million dollars that are annually allocated to the commission to go not to them, but instead <laughs> to the New Jersey State Police. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Little trash boy. Also, the ILA wanted it disbanded as well because it has a say in hiring practices and the longshoremen have been historically white and male. And the commission was saying like, hey, what if you weren't racist when hiring? And they kind of were like, no. They were like, shut up. Like Like
3: a lot of characters in this movie. Shut up.
4: Interesting little left turn here to talk about the second Red Scare, which was the product of McCarthyism. There was a lot of Hollywood blacklisting. We we truly don't have time to go into all of it. Um, Also, the Korean War was from 1950 to 1953 when the U.S. was fighting North Korea, and there was a lot of fear about, like, communism and communists in the U.S. And this is a quote from somewhere, maybe the New York Times. (laughs) Sorry, I can't remember. But, quote, both Schulberg and Kazan, Kazan, who are the writer and the director of this movie, had cooperated with the House Un-American Activities Committee in its attempt to ferret out people in the film industry who, have, who held communist sympathies on the waterfront was often interpreted as a metaphorical rationalization of their decision to name names. Interesting. Right? it's oh, very interesting yeah and then finally i would just like to say dear mob please do not murder me (laughs) i have no skin in this game and i also hate cops (laughs) (laughs) like this is the second and not the last time i'm gonna have to talk about the mob i'm so scared (laughs) (laughs) thus concludes the historical context for on the waterfront not a beach movie
3: thank you that was excellent very interesting
4: well let's move on to phone notes I just feel so bad that I'm so stupid. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like, I definitely. Why? Why? What makes you say that?
3: I just. Okay, everybody. I just want to acknowledge right off the bat because people are going to be like, okay, we get it. You're confused. Or like, it's not the movie's fault. You're confused. Yeah, fine. (laughs) That's fine. That is not going to make me understand anything that I saw on the screen anymore. Uh, I rewatched a bunch of parts of this, which helped. mm -hmm. But oh my. Whew.
4: I was confused during this movie too. I had to turn on subtitles. I don't know if you did. I did eventually it was really quiet and everybody was like mumbling Mm -hmm. in a new jersey way i was not expecting birds
3: those pigeons Mm -hmm. let's see some of our notes about pigeons how about that
4: one of the first things that marlon brando says in this movie is hey whatever the guy joey hey joey i got one of your birds he
3: walks on holding a pigeon
4: but he holds it in his jacket it's a surprise (laughs) reveal because when he said that i was like Oh, does that mean he's dating like Joey's girlfriend? Because like, men referred to women as like anything that was not human, uh-huh, uh-huh. so much. And then he said, "I got one of your birds and pulled out literally a bird <laughs> from his coat pocket," and I was like, "Whoa, what? That's what this movie is?
3: There's a real one? Is a bird movie?" It's so hard in old movies to figure out, especially if they're about like a certain group where they're trying to show their lingo and everything. Yeah. It's so hard to know what they mean, Mm -hmm. which thing they're referring to. They're almost never referring to the actual thing. Mm -mm. It took me until the end of the movie to realize the guy who had died was named Joey. (laughs) Because I just assumed Joey, whenever they talked about a Joey, they could have been referring to whoever was last on screen. (laughs) Like everybody's named Joey, right? Like I just accepted
4: that. Yeah. We had Joey, Terry, Charlie, Johnny. I mean, come on. It's understandably, Edie was the woman. Uh Uh-huh. So, Johnny. No. Joey. (laughs) See? Yeah. (laughs) He
3: falls, is pushed, and I did laugh when they showed his body covered in newspapers.
4: I think it's at that point that I was trying to get the sound to come out of my TV and not my laptop, because I was like, oh, it's too quiet, but then no sound was coming out of my TV. (laughs) So I missed I missed a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it. Like I was like, okay, he got pushed. And Brando was like, wait, what? I thought they were just going to talk to him. And I was like, Brando, you hot idiot. Like, why? why on earth would you think that? Hold on to your pigeons. We'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
3: He says, somebody's in the house,
4: and I screamed. <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
1: I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy.
4: Let's talk about Brando. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? What do you think? Do you th- is Marlon Brando hot? This, now it's time for our beloved segment. Is insert star of film here hot? I think definitely. I really oscillated. I think he is sometimes, like when he smiles or is doing that thing where he's like, I, I know I'm very hot. He was hot. But then sometimes he just looked like himself in The Godfather. And I was like, no.
3: Yes, Marlon Brando's hotness. It is, I think, a confusing one because mostly we're usually debating this. And we were trying to find hotness, involuntary hotness coming from the characters usually. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the reason I think he's objectively hot is just because he's that's what he's given us. He's like, hey, I'm a hot man. That's how I'm going to perform all this. It's so funny I'm like, to yeah. think
4: that an actor is like, I just feel like this character is really hot. <laughs> and I'm going to imbue them with that. Sort of my choice is to
3: make him sexy, attractive, hot.
4: Like the only way to He does do a couple hot things in the movie. He's not intimidated by a woman who's smarter than him. Yeah. And I was like, that is actually incredibly hot of you to do.
3: I did like their relationship and actually they're the same age, the actors. Really? Yeah.
4: Whoa. Which
3: made a huge difference. I
4: feel like I picked up on that because he did that thing where he was like You were ugly as a kid, which is not nice. But he was like, remember like seven or eight years ago, you had braces. And I was thinking back to Casablanca when visibly older, what's his ass, was asking the woman, wow. Maybe also Edie at all. Where she was 10 years ago and she was like, I was getting braces. And I was like, in this one, it doesn't bother me for some reason. And I guess it's because he probably also had braces and was ugly seven or eight years ago.
3: Totally. You could feel that. A lot of the romance in this one did not feel gross or anything, which... Mm -hmm. People, you gotta know, we're not looking for that to it, be gross. It just feels that way. You it can feel often it.
4: often was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are a couple like moments that are not gorgeous.
3: Yes. And I know, I know some that you're talking about. in her mouth. But uh, what?
4: <laughs> he keeps putting things in her <laughs> mouth. Not in like the way that I know you're all sort of hearing that. But he literally like holds a beer up to her mouth and is like, <laughs> have a beer. I didn't
3: notice this trend and now i'm just like imagining because i
4: remember him giving her an egg and i'm like did he put it in her mouth? <laughs> no he didn't. The pigeon that laid an egg, he didn't then put it in her mouth. He she just handed it to her. But it was like that and then th- later there was some sort of food thing and he was like try, try this. <laughs> That's so funny.
3: Yeah, I really like him, but he just keeps putting things in my mouth. <laughs> not in a really gross way. It just, I wish he wouldn't. Yeah. It's like, just hand it
4: to me just, and I'll i will put it in I'll my do mouth. it. I got that. <laughs> I've been doing that since literal birth. <laughs> I am
3: okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And there's the one time he kisses her when it seems like she was really not, he like plants one on her when he, after he breaks into her place.
4: <gasps> that was not a hot kiss. It ended up a it little hot. It ended up hot. It started
3: kind of graduate-esque in the yeah. sort of like, she actually didn't seem to want this. So there are definitely moments. But what I mean to say is the fact that they are courting did not feel skeevy. And mm. I think it's because we could feel and perceive that they were equals. Yeah. Just the actual actors. And she felt mature. I did. I, I liked that actress.
4: In some ways. I liked the actress. I thought the character was like, a...
3: she's like a little Catholic school girl who doesn't yeah. know things.
4: So she gets like really thrown by seeing other women in a club. <laughs> She's never had a beer before. (gasps) Ah, I've never
3: had a glass of beer. At one point, they do a shot and then have sort of a fun time in a bar together. And Mm -hmm. then they make out. And it was like really fun. I know. Also, a really good kiss. (laughs) These kisses, this was still during the code, I think. And these kisses were sensual.
4: This is what happens when you cast two hot people of appropriate age for each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. I also couldn't stop thinking that Marlon Brando looked a little bit like the Phantom of the Opera.
3: He has a jarring brow bone.
4: He's got a puffy face. I think it was specifically the Phantom of the Opera from the 25th anniversary performance at the Royal Albert Concert Hall. Of course. Which is the one of the two movies that I purchased on iTunes. <laughs> He's got a puffy lip in the way that Brando's lips are a little puffy. So sometimes from a side profile, I'm like, is he about to perform the music of the night? <laughs>
3: On that, I wrote at one point, Marlon Brando looks like he's gotten punched in everything.
4: (laughs) I also think Marlon Brando is hot because he just like was really good at acting. Yeah. Like he just was good at what he did professionally. And that is such a hot thing. Exactly. To see a man do. Yeah. That's very, very true. Like for a man to be good at his job. Wow. I also, okay. This is a little segment for you, Sienna. (laughs) Called... Films. I think this film is <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very beginning, it's in black and white, and there's just like a lot of grumpy dudes in a room talking. And I was like, "Is this Twelve Angry Men?" Mm-hmm. Also, I think the ugly guy who does all the crime is in Twelve Angry Men as like the angriest man. Really? I think so. Entirely possible. And then there was like. A priest there who was also a detective and there was crime happening and then a woman who like maybe was a nun but also was going into the workforce and I was like is this sister act? (laughs) And then there were a bunch of boys doing work but being sort of oppressed by working conditions and they were all working in New York or New Jersey and I was like is it newsies? Hey. And it sort of was all of those and it sort of was none of those. It kind of was. Yeah. Sienna, I was thinking, mm-hmm. you must have loved the Catholic imagery. Tee-hee. Tee-hee.
3: Not only was there lots of Catholic imagery, but also the woman in it was like a Catholic lady. Mm-hmm. Like the priest says to her, I think at some point. And she was a horny Catholic lady. Yes. More representation for horny Catholic women. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I think that there's a special kind of horny that comes out of it when you you know you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> at one point i think the priest says to her he asked her like oh do you think i'm just a
4: gravy training i wrote this down oh, you verbatim did? Okay. i'm looking right at it quote you think i'm just a gravy train rider with a turned around collar and i said this movie is in a foreign language
3: <laughs> what does any of that mean i found out what gravy train means it's like money you want money
4: maybe okay i
3: guys i might be wrong
4: and the turned around collar that's got to be a priest that's thing. a priest
3: so he's like you think i'm just like everybody else around here just just a, wanting a buck
4: Corruptly, maybe? So a turned around collar just means you're a priest? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it meant you are a priest who wears that collar, but then you turn it around to do crime. I like that more. (laughs) That's like layers and layers. (laughs) Turn it
3: around once to become a priest, Uh, turn it around all the way (laughs) to become a crime priest.
4: priest. (laughs) (laughs) What I got from this film is I think most of Marlon Brando acting is chewing gum and shrugging okay i love this yes he's let's like, think about what is his come on yeah eh. let, me, let me walk you home it's not safe out here i know what these boys want let's go
3: <laughs> okay she's doing an impression and she looks exactly like him it's like he's in the room
4: <laughs> i got really confused also jumping around again at the end when they're in court somebody's like live streaming the court trial and it's just a man that you only see from the back and then he's like If that guy calls, I'm not here ever again. And I was like, who is this? We've not seen him ever before. Who is that? Just an old man. You're never going to see my ass again. It felt like the ending of Men in Black where they zoom out of the planet and then they zoom out of our galaxy and then they zoom out of whatever the fuck. And then an alien is holding a bag of marbles and we're one of the marbles. And I was like, who is this alien? (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're doing such a good job of summing up how this feels today. (laughs) A man gets Looney tuned say more this is the guy whose name there's no way to know they've done this meeting at the church where the priest is like y'all speak up for yourselves like let's disband the mob let's form let's really like have power in the union and everybody's like no and then one guy gets hit with a baseball bat and then he's like you know what okay (laughs) I'll, i'll talk and so he goes and he talks twist my arm and the mob hears about it and johnny not so friendly Calls for there to be a hit on him and the guy who's been asking for there to be Irish whiskey shipments the whole film is excited because finally there are thousands of bottles of Irish whiskey surrounding him in these huge crates and as soon as they were lifting crates up on like a crane sort of pulley system thing. And there were a bunch of crates up in the sky. I was like, there's no way that this guy does not get Looney tuned by these crates. And then he's like joking around, but nobody is around him, which you really should like be aware of as a guy on the docks. Like, wait, why is it suddenly only me in this space? <laughs> and then he looks up and he's like, oh! <laughs> Absolutely pummeled to death by the whiskey. <laughs> Splat! So silly. And then the priest gives a long monologue about it.
3: Anything else notable? So his brother dies, sadly, which is actually very sad, The scene. But his brother's sent to off him.
4: This was just... These guys were such idiots. Like, of course, I just... Anytime a guy died, I was like, oh, yeah. Yes! Like, if you just talked to the police and gave them, like, a 39-page deposition about the moves of the mob, why would you go to work the next day on the waterfront? Title of film. Everybody take a shot. And then... When Charlie and uh, Terry are in the back of the cab and they're having a very, very open conversation about the the workings of the mob and what Terry's going to do and if he's going to testify in court. I was like, how how are you not aware that the person driving this cab is a a member of the mob? How stupid can you be to think that that's not going to be the situation? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, a tiny gun. Charlie pulls a tiny gun on Terry oh. after the, I could have been somebody. No, before I could have been somebody. Right. That's when he says his iconic lines. I really thought that speech was going to be more. More than just the three lines we knew? I just thought it was going to be charged with more emotion. I thought it was going to be more of a Stella moment. Yeah, because we we heard he
3: was a boxer, but yeah. we didn't see him be a boxer. Like No. The fact that he could have been somebody is like, oh, okay, good to know. Mm-hmm
4: here okay question for you resident catholic yes i didn't think that priests were allowed to punch people in the face (laughs) that's exactly what i thought (laughs) i had that same moment
3: of i'm like is this a sin (laughs) it was as if they were trying to show off like the priestly allowances made when somebody tells you to go to hell Mm. (laughs) because a man marlon brando tells the priest to
4: go to hell yeah and and i was like that seems crazy it seemed more out of duty than rage The priest is like, well, I am punching you in the face. It's the 11th commandment. If told to go to hell, you then must as As a a priest priest, punch them in the face. (laughs) Another favorite quote is it's at the end and Johnny Friendly is stressed because Terry's like testified against him in court and he's like, nobody do crimes for a little bit. okay, boys, like we're going to all not do crimes for like. A couple days so everything can sort of lay low and everybody's huddled around him while he's reading the newspaper and he turns to the guy, the guy next to him and he says stop breathing that clam juice on me <laughs> I love that line too and I was like, <laughs> just like such an evocative line to depict what a shitty and bad time that would have been to be a person yeah like you're everybody you work with is ugly you're really stressed out you could get shot or killed or hit with a baseball bat at any moment and everybody is breathing clam juice on you Can you stop just for now? Just, if you would, exhale in a different direction.
3: So many other hours of my life, uh, I am being breathed on by clam juice. Yeah. Basta.
4: So Terry's brother Charlie gets killed because he tries to help Terry. Then all of Terry's birds get killed, which was crazy. And then Terry goes and fights Johnny Friendly. And Johnny Friendly has his guys beat up Terry. And then all of the workers suddenly are like, we're not working unless Terry works today to finally sort of come together and unionize and demonstrate that Johnny Friendly no longer has a hold over them. And Terry in very bad condition gets helped up by the the woman, by Edie and the priest. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, "You all you got to do Terry is you got to walk in there and just show that you're up and you're walking in to do a day's work. And then we can all go with you and have our jobs. This movie also not, not Billy Elliot and <laughs> Terry does this like long walk and it's like oh, very heroic good job Marlon looking like you're in pain and then he walks in and they shut the door behind him and all of the workers implying that like they're off to do a full day's work and the screen says the end and I was like no no not the end Terry needs to go to the hospital what are you what is he about to unload crates for like 12 hours he's going to die
3: all you have to do is one full day's work okay? what? yeah do you think they just kept saying that all you have to do is walk in show everybody you're in there then all you have to do unload one crate maybe another
4: they're all heavy <laughs> because we don't have containerization yet
3: <laughs> how about when early on he's sitting on those sacks of something mm-hmm. looking at
4: boobs there were sort of boobs those in the were film. where the
3: boobs were
4: they this is how they get somewhere. somewhere. Even in movies where we're like there were no boobs, upon reflection, there are always. He boobs. was he was sitting on a pile of it was like was, a hustler magazine that he was reading he or was some on sort a, of a stack
3: of sacks looking at a
4: tit magazine. Tit. That's when they come up and they're like you should And not the bird. The tit. There are birds who are called tits. Oh, mhm. Oh mm-hmm. my god. So sorry. <laughs> it's just funny cuz he it, when he's looking at a tit magazine, it could go one of two ways. <laughs> <laughs> Those are his two things that he does. He's looking tits at one or the other or tits. <laughs> every other day.
3: What do you like? I like tits. <laughs> yeah, the magazine Tits and Tits. <laughs> it's just birds on boobs. <laughs> the centerfold. Whoa. Whoa, that's one tall tit. <laughs> I could have been a contender. I could have been an advertisement. We'll be right back.
1: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Get emotional with me, Ravi Devlukia, in my new podcast A Really Good Cry.
3: Also, I would like to see a cut of this movie where all of it was under a foghorn.
4: Under a foghorn? So the only sound you hear is foghorn? Yeah. There was no foghorn in this movie, was there? There was the
3: one scene. The scene where Brando breaks bad news to Edie. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to go testify. I'm so glad you brought this up. We have have to talk about it. We have to talk about it.
4: I think it was bad. (laughs) What? The acting and the scene and the writing and that's when it was a foghorn. Oh, that's right so (laughs) this movie is weird it's weird it's pigeons and foghorns
3: (laughs) this is a scene in which he what is he he telling her that he's gonna
4: yeah this is a big thing in the movie that we haven't really talked about is that it's his fault that joey dies he doesn't push him off the roof but he is the one who tricks joey into going up to the roof to get pushed off Mm. and edie the whole time is like i want to find out who killed my brother what do you know and he's like i don't know anything i don't know nothing and then In this climactic scene, the priest has been like, you have to tell her because you told me and I know now. So I'm going to tell her if you don't tell her. Um, And he's like, you have to go tell her that you're you're the reason that her brother is dead. And you also know who killed him. Right. Right. And he tells her, but we do not hear that dialogue. We see them discussing and we hear a big old foghorn. They're standing on like a pile of seaweed. (laughs) Is it low tide? Like, I don't understand. Cliff, the scene was so unhinged.
3: It was kind of nice. It's sort of like what you were saying in The Godfather of, like, they already told us what happened, so we don't need to see it all play out again. Like, we know he's going to say it, so we don't need to see him say it all. So, But we did see him say it all. Uh, We just didn't hear him say anything. Because we heard instead. (laughs) I mean, I liked it. I'm all for a kind of uh, a bit.
4: (laughs) I just thought the acting was a little bit bad. Sort of a shtick. By Edie. Which actually is a segue into our next segment. Are you ready for it? Sure. Okay. This is our next segment called badges and trages in which we award the film badges for things that we think it deserves a little trophy for and trages for the things that we were like, pardon. (laughs) This
3: is another one for which I've written a lot of badges down because that's all I was focusing on for the movie.
4: That's a really positive energy to bring to a situation. I like that.
3: Badge for a tiny Bible. (laughs) <laughs> badge for marlon brando wearing beautiful eyeshadow and a cute little outfit mm-hmm. dash shaking his tush oh
4: yeah oh that jacket looks so good
3: <laughs> badge for the girl character is a catholic queen mm-hmm. badge for a large assortment of hats i mean we had all sorts <laughs> sort of an elmer fudd hat we had a sherlock holmes hat sort of like a lower east side hipster short beanie type hat french painter anyway all sorts of hats, most of them newsy.
4: A badge for a man earnestly eating a sandwich that looks pretty good. Is this the guy who ate the sandwich but really badly? Yes. He did a really bad job. He took two. I just felt so much for this extra who was like, this is my moment. I'm going to nail this. His one thing is to bite a sandwich, but he biffs it. <laughs> sort of falls apart in his so hand. So much of it comes away into his mouth. Turkey. Like the whole side of the crust comes off. And then he's got so much sandwich in his mouth. I think it felt genuinely human, though. It felt real. It
3: was the first real depiction of eating a sandwich I've seen in these Mm. movies. And they eat sandwiches in a lot of them.
4: I've never seen somebody do such a bad job of eating a sandwich.
3: Maybe that's how I
4: eat sandwiches. I was just thinking I've never seen you eat a sandwich, but I could see you doing that.
3: There's a lot of ripping that happens. That's crazy. A lot of tearing. That's what your teeth are for. Not the way I use them. (laughs) What? Badge for how much time they spend on a roof you wouldn't expect them to be on a roof for so much of the time yeah
4: because you'd think they would be
3: on the the waterfront (laughs) badge for a pencil with an eraser this is the first pencil (coughs) with an eraser that i have noted in the films on the afi list so far and
4: you would care about that because you draw
3: yeah badge for running in and realizing someone's holding a gun
4: oh when he runs into the bar
3: yeah they run in they see and they're like oh (laughs) yep Sort of another Casablanca moment of the tiny gun. You don't mm. register for so long. And then you're like, whoa, whoa. oh, that's a gun. Is that an ant? No, a gun. <laughs> badge for a tiny scarf. One of the people was wearing a tiny scarf in court. Badge for an old television set. Mm. I always like looking at those. And finally,
4: badge for I liked Edie. Yeah, I think those are great. Thank you. <clears throat> you I saw no hats in the film. So that's really lovely. to hear. You saw no hats in the film. I, if you asked me, did anyone in this film wear a hat? I would probably say no. I'm so excited to show you a picture because they're wearing hats the whole time. <laughs> like the film,
3: they're only in hats.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a badge for not trusting the police. I have a badge for long sleeves rolled up to his elbow. Oh, Marlon Brando is wearing this black long sleeved borderline turtleneck that is tight, 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 tight. And they are, his sleeves are rolled up. He looks so good. A badge for this Irish guy. I don't know who he was. I think he was the guy that everybody called Pop. And he was uh, like, I'm I've been working on this dock for 40 years yeah, and I'm yeah. not taking it from you anymore. Badge for spooky mist. Ooh. I love spooky mist. And it was always outside the church, which is famously a very haunted building. A badge for dropping your glove so that a man picks it up. He did that and I was like, you smooth little Catholic girl, you know what you're doing. <laughs> a badge for old timey dancing. This is on their Aww. date, and I was like, oh, I want that um badge for eating acknowledging how low the bar is when he was like i wish i could help you even a little bit and she's like yeah me too <laughs> i also that's do. like what i've been asking you to do is the even a little bit part and you are not doing that a badge for an on fire garbage can when was that i don't know <laughs> It's some scene with a lot of boys in the foreground, but in the background is an on-fire garbage can. I think it's at the end when they're like, everybody works today. And they're like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and they all go to work. There's an on-fire garbage can. <laughs> and then finally, a badge for truly insane fight choreography. This is when Brando is on the bridge and he's like, get out here, Johnny. I'm going to punch you in your ugly, ugly face. And then he does. And then they do just the silliest fight choreography down on the dock at the Longshoreman's like office. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I quickly I'm just going to send you a quick photo I googled on the waterfront (laughs) and here's the first
4: picture (laughs) almost none of them are not wearing a hat Marlon Brando is the only one not in a hat but the thing is I was only looking at him because that was a good walk like he did a good job in that scene of acting and he's very magnetic and so I processed none of these other and they really it's a diverse range of hats you see what I mean (laughs) none of these men look like they're about to go do the same job right I'm so happy to have brought you on board oh my god (laughs) <laughs> All right, Sienna, what are your trages?
3: My trages are too many guys in a room. <laughs> this is one of those classic films that suffers from a bunch of guys who look really similar being in one space. It just I I, I can tell when that's a thing that I'm not going to understand what the film's about. Yes. Tradge for I wish I had blinds in my car when he's driving with his brother mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to he's about to get whacked. There are blinds in his car and whenever it's sunny out, I just wish that I could just pull oh. blinds on the side, which I know would be very dangerous. Little curtains. It's a very dangerous thing, but I'm jealous. I think you've said
4: that before. <laughs> I have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a passion of mine. It's like I remember that being a, a, an opinion.
3: <laughs> you have. Tredge for characters with multiple nicknames. Mm. Again, this is in The Godfather. All these movies, generally when they have a ton of guys in them, that also means that all the guys call each other something different. That's why I wasn't sure who was Joey because I'm like, he could be Joey to this guy. I don't is know anybody. Yeah. My final tragedy. I was so so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was a confused lady. Yeah. I apologize. I'm a fan of Marlon. This was a cool movie. I guess. I didn't know what was happening.
4: Mm-mm. All right, you up? What are your tragedies? A tragedy for a man telling a woman to shut up. This is right at the beginning where a woman is like, this has happened before. Another person got murdered and the guy's like, shut up. You shut up. <laughs> uh, Traged for him getting her drunk on a date when she has never had a beer before. And then he's like, here, have a shot. Insane. <laughs> Traged for women dressed as brides? Question mark. That was a weird. This is when she's like fleeing the date. And there I remember was a bunch it. of women dressed as brides.
3: I thought it was just the one and I thought there was a wedding.
4: There were literally several women dressed as brides. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of that (laughs) and a trad right after that for this woman being fully helpless. Like Edie gets so stressed. And I was like, I like her. I like that. She's like a smart quote unquote woman, but she has no, uh, street smarts. She's got none of them. And she just is like completely helpless in any stressful situation. And Marlon has to keep coming in, like helping her out of them. Also related a trad for Edie running out of every scene (laughs) she was in. I gotta go. She exited every single one of the run. Like that one, the date she ran out of, when he tells her via Foghorn that he is the reason her brother died, she runs out of that scene as well. Um, a trage for breaking the door down to talk to a woman. <laughs> Fucking terrifying. One of my fears, actually, is that a man breaks the door down to be like, I you love me, right? I'm like, no. Please leave. A trage for birds as rights in early cinema. Mm. I cannot imagine that these pigeons were treated well. I just don't know.
3: All the dead ones. There's mm. no way they were fake dead pigeons.
4: They that was a real dead pigeon. There's no, no they way
3: there were like hundreds of dead pigeons.
4: Mm-hmm. And then not hundreds.
3: Dozens. <laughs> like, yeah. Dozens of dead
4: For him to own hundreds of pigeons and also work on the waterfront, that's two full-time jobs. That's um, why I was confused. My final trage is on the waterfront the whole time. I just was thinking about the movie The Water Horse. <laughs> Do you know this movie? Oh, my gosh. It's about, like, a Scottish boy who finds Nessie and raises him, them from birth. (laughs) And then Nessie gets, like, nuked because it's World War II. Like, it's crazy. It's a crazy movie. But it's fun. And I watched it on a plane once and was thinking about it this entire thing. Because I was like, what a a level of intrigue the water horse has that on the waterfront does not.
3: Oh, my gosh. That would have been a completely different viewing experience. Mm -hmm. I think we're ready to move on to our next segment which is something called How to Pretend You've Seen This Film. Mm -hmm. This is for when you are at a beach party.
4: My nightmare? (laughs) Already terrifying.
3: You are wearing a cover-up, a sort of pretty cover-up, so you don't have to be in in a bathing suit in front of lots of strangers. But you look good. You look good, though. And Steve comes up to you, dripping wet.
4: (laughs) And then he does that thing where he's like, I'm going to give you a hug, and it's going to be hilarious.
3: (laughs) You're like, no, no, no. This
4: isn't funny. (laughs) He goes,
3: wow, pretty funny that we're on the waterfront when I was just watching a marathon of Brando movies and watched on the waterfront again. Oh, baby, that is one of my faves. I'm going to say a lot of things about it to you right now.
4: And in order to stop Steve from wet talking about a film (laughs) at you, we're going to give you a few sentences you can say to pretend you've already seen the film on the waterfront.
3: Yes, Steve. I think it's really cool how at the end, Terry rises up from his bloody longshore office just as Jesus rose
4: (laughs) to save us as Terry saved his union. (laughs) Steve, I really think that on the waterfront can be seen as sort of a liminal space in between the life of the character from Raging Bull and the life of the character from The Godfather. A man who starts out a wonderful, wonderful boxer, but then is forced to throw the match in favor of the mob, then becomes sort of inducted into the mob family. And had he not gotten out and had his moment of bravery and his Catholic nun girlfriend, what could have happened is he would have become this godfather mob boss?
3: Steve, a moment of the film that sticks with me is when the priest and someone else is brought upward by a platform and some netting sort of being raised up in a longshoreman's space. This reminded me of when Jesus rises up to heaven. And um, peace be with you, Steve. Mm.
4: And with your spirit. Steve, yes. Um, I feel that there is an inarguable parallel between the young tween in On the Waterfront who kills all of Marlon Brando's pigeons. And of course, the young tween in Game of Thrones series six, who does a big time stab of the one, the only Jon Snow. Oh, you haven't seen it?
3: (laughs) Steve, I'm going to tell you the secret genius of On the Waterfront. And it goes like this
4: okay family we are now going to help you save time tick 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 tock on the clock but the party don't stop because we are going to inform you if we think you should watch this film or if you should do something else with your day this is our segment should you watch this or liana what do you think oh my god i also have to say there was a horse in this film where was the horse? I first was like, I guess pigeons are the horses of this film. Oh, but yeah. But then, right after the Stop Breathing That Claim Juice On Me line, a man is reading a newspaper behind Johnny Friendly. And he's it's about, like, betting and races. And there's a little drawing of a horse. <laughs> the, the same way they got a horse in the same way they got the boobs in. That's right. <laughs> They'll sneak them into every film. I'm going to say, should you watch On the Waterfront or should you do something else? What you could watch instead is going to be the Fathom Events event. <laughs> Newsies filmed on Broadway, presented in theaters. You have to go with a horny musical theater friend, otherwise it won't really work. But that movie, they talk about unions. They talk about boys in an industry. There's just one woman (laughs) again. (laughs) And it's got some slappers of tunes. Jeremy Jordan is hitting those high notes with his strong belt. And then men doing choreography. And it is unbelievably hot. It is so hot. And of course, a fight against the people in power who are improperly wielding their powers and causing others to suffer. Sienna, what would you recommend?
3: I don't think you need to watch this movie. It's cool. We get it. Mm -hmm. You can see Marlon Brando in other things where he's probably hotter, and we'll get to that later in in later episodes. But I think instead you could watch the movie Shark Tale. Oh, Which I haven't seen in a while. I can't remember exactly... Everything, but I remember workers' rights being part of it. Okay, (laughs) because what they work at a car wash, yeah. And I believe the mob is involved. Like he gets like falsely accused for killing someone.
4: Robert De Niro is in it as a like a shark.
3: Yes, so it's another mob film. (laughs) A young man, I think, is killed, and then their protagonist is sort of feels responsible or has to prove that he's not responsible or something like that. Wow, yeah, I believe so. Anyway, that's what I would recommend. The movie Shark Tale.
4: Sienna, what would you rate on The Waterfront?
3: I will give this film 1.1 foghorns Mm. out of Mm 5. That's because I really did not follow. (laughs) (laughs) But even so, that's a little bit of substance I'm giving it because I like Marlon Brando. I liked the age-appropriate relationship so much compared to most of the things that we've seen. Mm -hmm. That it gets at least point something for that. Yeah. And it's about workers' rights, and I get how it's a and an interesting subject. So all the th- reasons we've said, you guys can keep it. That's cool. But I for, for recommending it, for watching, there you go. 1.1 1. Mm. 1. 1 out of 5.
4: Yeah, I think that's great.
3: What about you, Liana?
4: I'm going to give this film two pigeons out of five. And I would give it two because I would give it a full one for making a movie about an actual like issue that was facing the country at the time and then... Possibly, potentially helping the downtrodden achieve more rights as a result of publicizing the problem. Um, and also, I would give it another one for Mylon Brando was really doing some good acting in yeah. this movie. He's a good actor. And for half the time, he was incredibly hot. <laughs> and I love that. And he knew it. And I love that as well. And I also thought the priest did really good acting. Also, he looked like John C. Riley's dad. I don't know if he was, and I forgot to Google it, but mm, there you go. Cellophane, Mr. (laughs) Cellophane. Okay, everyone. This has been Tossed Popcorn's review of On the Waterfront. Thank you so much for listening. We are all over social media at Tossed Popcorn on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Clash? (laughs) And... If you like this episode, please rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave a nice little review. It makes such a difference, and we really, really appreciate it when you do. So please do that. Workers' rights. Workers' rights! Oh, my God.
3: Tune in next week, this holiday season. Jingle jangle. When we will be watching It's a Wonderful
4: Life. It's beginning to look a lot like film. (laughs) Like movie. (laughs) Movie. Everywhere podcast. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye.
3: You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app.
4: What's your best foghorn impression? I think that's pretty good.
3: From BBC Radio
2: 4, Britain's
1: biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've
4: summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
3: He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
2: (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your
1: BBC podcasts, if you dare. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie.